0: Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, it's unbelievable. It seems like not a week goes by that we don't have another world champion guest. And yet again, the Cardinal alums have come through with another champion, freshly minted, Greg St. Jean, class of 2013, three-year captain at Wesleyan and an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, was nice enough to join us. and, And we had a great conversation. But before we get there, Coach... I know you've known this guy for a long time. What a pleasure it was getting to know Greg Saint Jean.
1: Uh, he's he's one of my all-time favorites. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, playing for Coach Riley and and just watching him, uh, you know, develop as a young man and a and a leader. You know, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that you know I say has the it factor. You know, just he's he's different than than the other people around him. And uh, I think uh, anyone that listens to this podcast tonight will see very quickly uh you know how impressive a young man he is
0: yeah i couldn't agree more coach that was as much fun as i've had from start to finish just feeling like uh you know it's it's hard for me to say this but someone can talk as much or if not more than I can which is which is a rarity <laughs> which is a rarity I can guarantee you of that but but now we're gonna shift and this is a segue coach from someone who talks too much to someone who says very little but when he talks his words mean a lot that's right it's the producer Mike O'Brien Mike tell everybody what they need to know
2: yeah you got it Chris so to all of our listeners and followers out there we uh, would love to hear from you um you could Follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our handles on Instagram and Twitter are at Wes underscore athletics. Um, You can also email us any suggestions or feedback, athletics at wesleyan.edu. That's all I got, Chris.
0: Tell you what, Coach. I mean, the guy, he doesn't say much, but those words, those are impactful words, Coach.
1: Yeah, anybody listening out there uh, that that listens to our podcast, you know, do us a favor and, uh, you know, uh, you know, get the word out about, uh, about uh, Chris and coach beyond the box score. You know, we, we think we've got some, we've had some great guests. We'll continue to get great guests. And, you know, we just want, you know, uh, not just Wes alums, but just people, sports enthusiasts in general. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to, you know, the, the end result in all of this is is to get Chris a, a full-time job, you know, doing some kind of sports commentating. So, you know, the more, the more, more people we can get out there following us, the better. So our goal is to, uh, to land Chris that
0: big-time job. Wow. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day, sir, but I certainly do appreciate it. Make sure you click subscribe on, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever they're calling it these days and, and leave a review. And, and, you know, even if it's something as much as just saying, boy, I want to hear more from that Mike O'Brien because he intrigues me, that's okay too. <laughs> so, but enough of the funny stuff, Coach. we got a big-time interview coming right up. You don't have to wait any longer, and I promise you, you will not forget the name of this man coming right up. Class of 2013, it's Greg St. Jean. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Chris & Coach Beyond the Box Score, your official Wesleyan Athletics podcast. As I like to call it, Coach, it's the podcast of champions, and we continue that run right here tonight as we welcome in uh, brand new Freshly crowned champions of the National Basketball Association. He is the player development coach and advanced scout for the Los Angeles Lakers. Class of 2013, three-year basketball captain at Wesleyan. It's our pleasure to welcome in Greg St. Jean. Greg, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you with us.
2: Thanks, guys. Happy to be
0: here. Okay, Greg, it's obviously been a big year. But first things first, before we talk about your experience at Wesleyan, what was it like? After this incredibly awkward and crazy season, what felt like it must have been going on for 365 days to finally get across the line and win yet another title for a a storied organization that is Los Angeles Lakers.
2: You know, it was an incredible season, and I think that in itself set the storyline up for us um, and allowed us to almost have a sense of relief when it was over. Um, The accomplishment in itself was incredible. So many different uh, storylines that went into it throughout the year. So many different purposes. Um, You talk about LeBron James, you know, attempting to win the MVP. You talk about and getting snubbed. Frank Vogel, our head coach, you know, having one of the quiet, best coaching years in the history of basketball from the year before to this year. Uh, not even getting mentioned for Coach of the Year, Rob Palinka, uh, Executive of the Year, Anthony Davis, Defensive Player of the Year, right? And coming into the year, everyone said the Clippers were the better team in LA. Um, so it was a it was a fun year, and we had a lot of motivation. There was a lot of roller coaster ride, obviously, um, throughout, and we can we can touch on that with with all the different things that happened. Um, but it felt phenomenal, and I was just so happy for our for our players. Happy for our staff and, and really happy for our fans. We had phenomenal fans the entire year. And the Laker faithful, uh, it's very powerful. It was my first real experience seeing that, how, how many Laker fans there really are across the country. Um, and their support was great this year. So I was happy for them and, and obviously for our ownership group, Jeannie Bus, excited for her. So it was it was a phenomenal year.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, the Lakers are a brand, um, and, but, but our podcast, we're trying to brand out is Wesleyan University Athletics, and obviously, you have a great relationship with Coach, but we want to kind of start from the beginning. So, what I want to know is, talk about your arriving in Middletown, how you ended up in Middletown, and your overall experience as a Wesleyan Cardinal.
2: So, I grew up in Northern California. I went to De La Salle High School. Played basketball there and uh, ended up doing, after graduating, went to Phillips Exeter. And I was in hope of like many, many post-graduates trying to get to the Ivy League. I know you guys have heard this story before. And so my, my goal was to get there. My sister played at Yale. I wanted to play at Princeton. A couple of my uh, high school teammates played there. I, I, I thought that was the place for me. Um, but out of out of high school, I actually was trying to go to Williams for Dave Paulson at the time. And uh, Joe Riley, Coach Riley was recruiting me at Bates. I had never heard of Bates. I had no interest in going to Bates. I basically completely wrote them off. Um, When I got to Phillips Exeter, I got injured and had uh, a lot of the schools that were interested in me start falling off and and start uh, losing interest overall. Coach Riley probably did one of the best recruiting jobs I've ever seen in my life with me. Um, And he sold me on his vision sold me on the school. Um, and as things progressed and I ended up going ED2 on Super Bowl Sunday, went to the fax machine and signed my, signed my letter and sent it in um, and didn't look back from there. It was it an was a, a incredible, uh, incredible experience for me. And Coach Riley, I, I really chose the school based on coach. Um, he sold me on the opportunity to come in and build a culture. Uh, we were his first recruiting class there. And the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to continue to be challenged off the court as well. And obviously going to any school in the NESCAC, you're going to be academically challenged, but I wanted to also be a place where I was going to be stimulated in in a lot of different ways. Um, And the diversity of Westland really stood out to me as well. So um, that's how I got on campus. When I got there, it was uh, a little bit of an eye-opening experience. I know I, I was blessed to have a lot of success at De La Salle in Exeter. And we took our lumps a little bit there, but um, over time, and now looking back as an alum, uh, I couldn't be more proud to, to be part of Coach Riley's first recruiting class to see the success they've had and just follow along the last few years has been incredible for me. So um, Wesleyan has been a huge piece of kind of who I am, but, but it all started, like I said, Northern California, went to Phillips Exeter, and Coach Riley put on a recruiting clinic to get me there. Uh, I did not do an overnight. Um, and he, he put the full court press on me and did an incredible job.
1: Well, Greg, I think, I think, you know, uh, one of the things you, you know, that, that um, you talked about was, you know, being in, in coach Riley's first recruiting class and, um, you know, coming in and trying to change a culture and, and, uh, you know, obviously as a three-year captain, which, you know, you know, that never happens. You never have anyone that's a three-year captain. and, 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 I think that just speaks volumes in terms of your, your leadership and, and really um, that, that you bought into exactly what coach was, was selling, so to speak. And, and so, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you came from really successful programs and as coaches, that's what we look for. We look for guys that know, not just, not just know how to win, but know how to make others around them better, you know, and, You know, I mean, you know, coach thinks the world of you and, and, uh, you know, whenever he talks to anyone uh, about how this whole, you know, journey started at at, at Wesleyan, your name is one of the first that comes out of his mouth. So just talk a little bit about, you know, you know, that that whole process of changing the culture, you know, and kind of, you know, you know, I know through that, too, you battled through some pretty significant injuries, but the leadership thing never went away. So just kind of give our, give our listeners a little bit of insight as to, as to what that journey was like for you. So
2: I appreciate the kind words coach. And, and, you know, for me, growing up, I'm a coach's son. So, you know, my father, he, I, I was blessed. He, he coached in the NBA, was a head coach in the NBA, general manager in the NBA. And, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily born to lead, but I feel like I was bred to lead. I felt like my father always put me in positions um to be a point guard, to be a vocal leader, be a coach on the floor. and um, in, in everywhere I've been, I've always been a captain. Um, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, people can agree with it, disagree with it. Every team I've always been a part of, that's always found its way um, in in me, and something I take pride in is is trying to be a a great leader. And in doing so, you know Coach Riley, like you said, he had a vision, and I think part of that was, he recruited some really talented players our first year that you, you know you got to have some talent to win but the guys he brought in um who I still keep in touch with today <laughs> I'm very close with our group uh from 2013 we had three 1,000 point scorers in that class and you know if you were to ask to be start the start the class off a lot of people would say I, I wasn't one of them <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people would say oh you know St. Jean's gonna be one of- I wasn't one of them. I didn't even play in 40 games in college. Um, But so it started with us having a combined ability of talent. Like we brought in, you know, guys who could play. But we brought in guys that, similar to myself, we complemented each other well. And we were able, as best we could, to execute what coach was looking for. We took our bumps. We took our bruises. Um, There was some levels of humility that took place, I think, which was one of the biggest things for all of us. Was uh, we brought you know got brought in this great class and we thought we were going to run the table and first time we go play Williams up at Williams they put a hundred on us and you know we're like this isn't going to be that easy right this is, <laughs> is going to be a little difficult so um, I give a lot of credit to obviously Coach Riley first and foremost creating that vision enforcing it but then I also I love giving credit to the players around me I think that those guys execution of that a and then b you know, a player-led team is better than a coach-led team. You know, that, that shows buy-in. That shows the ability to not only believe in the culture, but do you defend your culture? Do you uh, execute it on a daily basis? Are you a uh, everyday type of guy? Are you an everyday culture believer? And you're going to have bad days in practice. You're going to have good days in practice, whatever the case may be. But are you somebody who comes in every single day with the intent to preserve, defend, and compete? And so, uh, our group, we had, like I said, we took our bumps and bruises, but my teammates, I always will give them credit because I'm not the easiest guy to, to work with. I'm not the easiest guy to play with. Um, because I'm going to, I'm going to hold people accountable because I hold myself to the highest standard and I I believe that I can achieve great things. And I like to be around winners. I enjoy being around people around me who have a similar vision. And so even though we were struggling, I still tried to hold us to a high standard. And so um, my teammates allowed me to be a great leader. I wasn't a great leader because of my teammates. I was a great leader because my teammates allowed me to be. Um, so, you know, midway through my freshman year, when coach named me captain, my, my classmates didn't shrug. They, they, they were ready to go. They said, hey, let, let's go. How hard? How high? How high are we going to jump? How hard are we going to push? What are we going to do? And You know, that's a testament to coach. That's a testament to coach believing in our group. Um, You know, in our junior year, getting ranked, setting the all-time record for wins, which has since been broke, which is great. Um, Getting to the Final Four of the NESCAC at the time, which was a big, big deal, which since then is a commonplace, which is awesome for Wesleyan. All that stuff I'm extremely proud Mm -hmm. of. But like you said, the culture change is the thing that I'm most proud of. I love talking to our current Wesleyan Cardinals and seeing a lot of really well-rounded uh, not people who play basketball but basketball players people who love the game people who come there to use this as an avenue they might not be going pro in basketball but they're going to be going pro in something and they've used basketball to get there and I think that was part of the culture change of bringing in guys who wanted to be there uh, and not do basketball as a hobby
1: and then you mentioned you know your dad and his influence on you just give us give our give our listeners a little bit of you know, background, kind of what it was like being, you know, a coach's son and, you know, kind of, you know, growing up in that environment.
2: So, so I'm not going to be naive with you, Coach. I, I'm really blessed. Like, I grew up around the NBA. This is what I've always wanted to do. I pinch myself often uh, and understand that the way I grew up is not commonplace, right? Most guys didn't get to grow up and be a ball boy and be in the locker room and meet their heroes. I, I live down the street from Chris Mullin who ended up later in my life uh, being the head coach at St. John's my four years when I was his assistant coach there. So um, growing up and, and, and being a coach's son, obviously there's an expectation level for everybody that your basketball IQ uh, should be at a high, high level. I loved that. I loved you know being held to that standard, which was awesome. But likewise, all the things that came with it um, were all positives. If you love the game and you get to grow up and you get to go to – go to countless NBA practices and be around um, guys making the progression in their craft. There's a bit of osmosis that goes on in some capacity. Um, so that's a lot of where for me, I was able to take a lot of the things and it's, it's, it's scary looking back now in my short career that I've had thus far, I still draw from uh, nine-year-old Greg at his dad's team's practices. I remember drills that, they did during training camp in Hawaii. I remember, like, I remember these things vividly, and um, place and piece them together. And it, it was a blessing. Like I said, it was a blessing. My, so my dad, he, he started as a, as a scout when he was 29 and with the Milwaukee Bucks, he was there from 79 to 86 as an assistant coach with Don Nelson they Had a really successful team there. He went from uh, 87 and 88. He's with the New Jersey Nets as an assistant. Then he linked up back with Don Nelson, uh, 88 through 92 with Run TMC with the Warriors. And then he uh, was the head coach of the Kings from 92 to 97. And then he was the general manager from 97 to 2004 and then did some scouting after that. And now he's, uh, he's now doing TV for the Warriors. He's their post-game analyst. And uh, that's been his way to stay involved in the game. Um, but it's been really cool for me to – As I'm going through my progression, my career, kind of use him. I'm I'm very blessed to have uh, a mentor. He's my biggest influence, biggest mentor um, to touch through in different situations, be able to get his guidance on that. Yeah.
0: All right, here's my question. And you kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I was going to run TMC. Like that was like, that's where I wanted to go. All right, I'm going to jump ahead because I need to talk about this and I need to know this. Better shooter, Chris Mullin. Or Mitch Richmond.
2: Okay, so that's... And I know you know
0: this better than anybody.
2: I've seen that shootout quite a bit. Mitch Richmond can get hot. Okay, so Mitch Richmond, I would say, has the potential to beat Mully. I've seen him beat Mully. But on a given day, if we're just going to roll the balls out there there are not a lot of people in the universe, even at his current age, that I'm taking over Chris Mullen. <laughs> uh, he is a, you know, at his age right now, I will roll the ball out versus anybody we currently had on our Laker roster, and he's beating him in a shooting contest. And I will put my entire salary on that. Easily. That's how good of a shooter Chris Mullen is still to this day. It's, it's like riding a bike. But I love giving credit to Mitch, and I'm glad you brought him up because I think he might be the most underrated basketball player because of the markets he played in um, and the teams that he played on. Mitch was my favorite player growing up.
0: Well, that I was going to go there too because it seems like you and your family, especially your father and yourself and Mitch, you guys have kind of been at all at all the same places at the same times. I mean, I mean what Mitch yeah. did with the Kings, I think, was under the radar. I mean, when they broke up, run TMC and – Hardaway left, and then eventually Chris left. I mean, but what, what Mitch did with the Kings, I mean, we're talking 25 a game, you know, 42% from three, just lighting it up every night. I mean, uh, a guy that people of this era have no idea how good he was. I mean, he was a, a transcendent talent and a, a next-level, everyday kind of guy just who happened to be, like you said, in Northern California markets when it wasn't cool at that time to be in those Northern California markets.
2: Yeah, Mitch – Mitch is one of my favorite players to watch because he was a great two-way player, right? And he was an incredible defender, you know, and there's some really good quotes out there that are hard to dig up, but they're out there from Michael Jordan saying he was the hardest guy he had to play against. He was the, you know, the second best two guard in the NBA for that stretch of time. Um, I liken it to, and he's, and you know, at the, at the moment cause his career is already over and we've seen him make the hall of fame. I liken it to a, a player like Devin Booker right now in Phoenix. Who, you know, is averaging close to 25 points a game. His team has not made the playoffs yet, so people are not fully invested into him. He's blessed to have social media and highlights and things to show the world what he can do. Mitch is, is Devin Booker without uh, any of those uh, accolades. And, and I'll tell you what, my dad always joked, my dad had Pete Carrill as his assistant coach, who's a longtime Princeton offense yep. innovator and one of the best and smartest coaches of all time. And Pete Carrill, the the Princeton offense is read the man in front of you. He'll tell you what to do. And it's a read and react offense that's equal opportunity. He's the biggest believer in having all five players on the court be able to play, read, react, pass, shoot, dribble, teach everybody everything. Pete Carrill got to Sacramento and he saw the rest of the players around him and he immediately said, We gotta scrap this. We gotta go option one, Mitch, option two, Mitch, option three, Mitch, or else we got no chance to win. So uh, I'm glad you brought up Mitch. He's, he's one of my favorite people of all time. Uh, I loved working with him for four years at St. John's. Uh, I loved actually working for him with two, working with him for two years in Sacramento actually as well with the Kings, which was pretty cool. And then obviously growing up watching him with Golden State and with Sacramento and then Chris Mullen obviously, you know, is is, uh, like family to me and, Uh, been a huge huge mentor for me so those guys those guys and Tim Hardaway's been great too I'm I'm pretty lucky to have those guys in my life and they've had a
1: huge impact on me
0: and so I just have to ask you this one more thing about about what you kind of are doing now obviously one of your big responsibilities I imagine is game prep and scouting right with with the coaching staff you're one of the younger guys you're probably very responsible for preparing game plans and finding out what the other teams do well and don't do well So just a, you're obviously a confident guy who, who, who has a huge future, but I want to know what's one time as a young guy that you've been humbled because of maybe something didn't go the way that you thought, or you went into a room and you thought something was going to be perfect, or you noticed something in tape and it didn't go that way. Can you, can you tell a story about maybe when, when something didn't go quite as planned in your early coaching career?
2: So there's, there's quite a few of those just for the record that happens uh, more than, I'd like to admit, but that happens quite a bit. I'm, I'm uh, And I'm okay being wrong as long as it helps us continue to be successful. I'm fine admitting those when I'm wrong on a scout. And I'll be the first to tell the guys when I'm wrong, which is great. Um, but there's been a few times where I've been humbled greatly. Uh, and it was right when I got out of Wesleyan. And so I used to spend – my teammates used to make fun of me for this. We'd go out and we'd have fun. And I'd come back to my room late at night and go in my room. And we called it, you know, the cave. And I would just watch film and, and start doing all my my prep stuff for after after graduation. And uh, I felt like I had a pretty good command of, like, MBA offenses and terminology and everything. And I would say it was clearly ahead of most 22-year-olds. But that doesn't mean when you're going to walk into an MBA room that you're going to be the brightest person in there or be able to speak and, and run, you know, really quickly back and forth with those guys. So – One of my good friends now in the business, he's an assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons. His name's Sean Sweeney. He gave me a really humbling moment where uh, we were talking about the triangle offense. And I think the triangle offense is one of the biggest misconceptions in in all of basketball because most people can't explain it. They talk, oh, they run the triangle. Oh, Phil Jackson, they just ran the triangle. Michael Jordan, Shaq. And so I made some statements in a meeting. I don't remember exactly what they were. But I made some statements about the players necessary to play in the triangle, and I, I went out on a limb. I, I thought I knew what I was talking about, and Sean, he he grabbed the pen and he grabbed the whiteboard and he goes, "Can you draw the triangle offense for me?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." Like, and I started drawing through it, and he was like, "No." And I draw the next up, no, next up, no, and so for me, it wasn't one of those public massacres of my ego or anything, but it was one of those moments where it was, I'm sitting there, and I go, okay. There's a lot of people around me who are smarter than me, A, more prepared than me, B, and I better keep my mouth shut unless I know what I'm talking about. So coming into this season, I've thought back about that moment, and I'm like, if I'm going to speak in front of LeBron James, I better know what I'm talking about. Because I can tell you right now, when a guy makes a play call for the Miami Heat, LeBron knows it too. When we're playing the Memphis Grizzlies, if they make a call and I tell them the wrong thing, LeBron's going to know. Rondo's going to know. Those guys are savants. Frank Bogle's going to know. He, you know, he's, a, he's a, a preparation genius. So I've had a, a few of those moments. I've had a few fun ones, too. Uh, this year in Denver, my old boss, Michael Malone, we were playing there right before the All-Star break. Awesome overtime game. And part of my job in-game is to be uh, identifying potential sets and options that are coming and I'm supposed to know the other team's play calls, hand signals, and verbals. And I relay them to our players in game. and it's, you got to be quick though with it. Because if they come down and you know they go open swing, you got to know what that is quickly. right? Or swing punch, you got to know like right when they do it right away. So Michael Malone, who I worked for, I know a lot of his terminology. I feel pretty comfortable in the game. He comes out with a call I don't know. <laughs> and rondo's at the scorer's table and i my I, i'm not going to say i was batting 100 at this point during the season but i was pretty good though thus far like i felt pretty good about calls rondo's at the scorer's table and echoes the call back to me and i froze i was like i i don't know that one and he's like come on man come on come on you know it you got it come on this is your job let's go let's go and I'm sitting there, and Rondo's on you, like that. That's how he is. And I'm sitting there, and our whole staff turns around and stares at me because the first time I didn't get one. And it ended up the ball gets goes, and they they call they we deflect the ball out of bounds, and they run a different sideline out sideline out of bounds play. And at halftime, Rondo comes over and smacks me on the butt, and he said, "Gotcha." And it was one of those moments where I was like, "Shoot, man!" Like. I was like, I felt pretty darn prepared. This is one of my former bosses, somebody I really respect. I know all their calls, and they still got something I don't know. And I liked it because it was a good challenge. But that was something going forward. I was like, shoot, over all star break, I better take an extra day to learn these things. So there's some good moments. The NBA's fun. The the p- thing I always try to tell people is don't underestimate how smart the NBA players are with the game. Those guys are really intelligent. They they do their they do their diligence. They work hard at their craft. They study the, their scouting reports, everything. So. Um, I'm blessed that I work for a great coach in that regard who holds us to a high standard, but also at the same time, our players we have um, are really high IQ. And I thought that was also a huge piece to our success this year.
1: Greg, talk a little bit about, you know, you know, coming into LA and you know, obviously, you know, knowing what we're on and you know what what you know what you knew, you know, or you thought you knew kind of coming in and then what you actually learned about them you know, once you worked with them for a full season. So My
2: last year as a ball boy in the NBA was LeBron James' rookie year. So when he came to Golden State, and I still have not told him this story because we haven't had the appropriate time, and I can't wait to tell him when it's appropriate, but him and I shared a chicken fingers meal when I was 13. (laughs) And it was like one of the biggest moments of my life at the time. And LeBron was 18, right? He had just come into the league. Um, And so – you know LeBron's birthday is December 30th my birthday is December 31st i always tried to have these like little ties with him and thought it was cool and and so um my perception for him has always been like hey he's not that much older than me like i always used to kind of think that um and as we've gone in our careers and obviously you know he he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time he's on the mount rushmore um and what he does on the court speaks for itself but the thing that stands out the most to me that I don't think you can get unless you work with him is a, I talked about how smart he is as a basketball IQ savant. Um, and B just my respect level of the preparation he puts into his body. It is second to none. And, and like I said, I worked with Chris Mullen who, you know, probably squeezed out every ounce of talent he ever had to be a five-time all-star in the NBA. So that guy had to have some incredible body maintenance himself, right? LeBron, if he wanted to, could not take care of his body and still be a top-five player in the NBA, talent-wise, and just his size and everything. But the reason he's so elite is, A, obviously his IQ, and then, B, the amount of maintenance he puts into his body and the amount of care and precision and routine that he has. So the two things I'll touch on with that is the thing that stood out the most about being around him, um, we all talk about the different ways we learn, right? Some people learn by reading. um, Some people learn visually, kinesthetic, um, walking through plays. LeBron is one of the very rare athletes, uh, at least modern and current, that I've been around that can learn through audio. And I say this meaning we'll go through a walkthrough. He'll be tying his shoes. His head will be down. We'll tell and talk through a play. He won't watch any of it and then can go out and execute it. But because he heard, hey, we're going to swing through the trailer, we're going to sing second side, go side, pick and roll, slip out, we're throw ahead into a step up. Boom. Now, 90% of players need to hear it, see it, and walk through it to even have a chance to do it. He doesn't need any of those. He just hears it, and then he, he's able to do it. So that stood out to me as something that was was incredible. I talked about him knowing all the other team's play calls. Um, yeah. He's basically like having a coach out there in that regard, which is great. The body maintenance stuff speaks for itself. You know his routine he does before every game. The amount of lifts he gets in, um, it, how much he sleeps, his hydration, all of that stuff is just incredible. He works. We have a guy who works with us who's been with his entire career. Um, his name is Mike Mencias. Uh He is he is the um, behind-the-scenes MVP of LeBron James. He's incredible, somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect for and their partnership and relationship, the way they work together. But more important than all that, Coach, and I know that was long-winded, I am most proud of who LeBron James is every single day as a leader. And I say that meaning off the basketball court who he is for Akron, Ohio, what he represents in that regard um, to, you know, young African-American generation who look up to him. He never, people can say he does a, um, a poor job. They can like him, not like him, but no one can say that that guy runs from the challenge, right? He doesn't ever run from leadership opportunities off the court. And, you know, his initiative, more than a vote, all those things you know, I look at that from a from a distance, a bird's eye. It's like, oh, this is great what he's doing, but how passionate he is about it. It's not just something that his foundation does, and he's not about all these things he does. His I Promise School, all these things, he's invested in them, and his well being exists on it because he really does. You know, he has the tattoo on his back, the Chosen One, and I think he is a Chosen One. Like I really do believe he's a walking superhero for like the younger generation with with. And I say this all respect with regard to how big a shoulders he carries and how much load he carries. And that has nothing to do with, uh, like I said, how he is in interviews or some people might not like that He doesn't take the shot at the end of the game. All that stuff is is all secondary to me. The most impressive thing I've seen about LeBron um, is his consistency of who he is as a man every single day. And that, to me, has stood out more than anything.
0: So, Greg, obviously this has been a, a fantastic year just to learn, I'm sure, for you from a coaching perspective and all of your experiences at St. John's before that, with the Kings and as a, as a youngster being around your dad and being around those great teams. What's next for you? I, I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but do you think that your future is in the NBA or are you looking to potentially, and I'm not putting you on the spot right now, but eventually would you like to be a head coach at a college level first or do you think that you're 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 better suited for the NBA?
2: Well, you know what, Chris, you're not putting me on the spot. This is just a it's just the facts, right? This is kind of me, as I go through my professional development. Um, the biggest thing I've seen is it's not going to be linear, right? My my path to where I want to get to is not going to be linear. Um, I was never ever interested in coaching in college. Um, I always grew up NBA guy through and through. I played Division three basketball. I have a a much stronger connection to D3. I don't know much about the division one level. I didn't know much about it. The reason why I took the job at St. John's was because of a close, a close personal connection to Chris a and B because I knew it was his alma mater and he was passionate about it. And I knew it would be an incredible opportunity and challenge for me. I say all that because my end goal I want to be NBA head coach. That's, that's what I want to do. Um, It's something I've, I've had my mindset on for a long time. How I get there. I can't tell you um, today. I don't know how that's going to shape out. I have an idea. I have some things in mind that I'd like to do. You talked about learning. You talked about growing. The reason I took the Laker job instead of some other opportunities that came about was that opportunity for growth, that opportunity to be stimulated and challenged. This was a PhD year. Um, This was a year for me to really grow and, like I said, learn about the other 29 teams, get recalibrated, with the NBA after being out for a few years. Be around Frank Vogel, who's a former non-former player, former video guy, becomes a head coach at 37, something I, in a non-arrogant way, believe I can do. How can I learn from him? Be around somebody who can and help me go through his path, some of the mistakes he made, some of the successes he's had. Be around Jason Kidd, former two-time head coach. Be around Lionel Hollins, former head coach in our front office, Kurt Rambis, former head coach. Those are four guys who have sat or are currently sitting in a seat that I want to sit in. Eventually to me, there was no other opportunity like that. I piggyback that with Rondo and LeBron. I piggyback that with a Dwight Howard who people can say what they want. NBA hall of famer. It's going to be hall of famer, uh, high IQ guys, Jared Dudley, um, Danny green. I was around winners this year. And I was blessed to win. Um, and, and that was the end goal. But the process that got us there, to me, I felt like looking back and hopefully in 30, 40 years, when I look back, I'm going to feel like this Lakers season that I had was more than just one year. It's going to feel like it had a major, major impact and a pivot point for me. Um, so what's next for me? You know, I'm excited about, you know, some opportunities that are out there, but I'm also really, really excited to, to continue working with Coach Vogel and our staff. Um, I really, really, really enjoy working for him. I think that's a huge piece to the puzzle. I think you guys have kind of all experienced that at different points in your career, having that that comfort level of being around people on a daily basis that'll hold you accountable, that'll challenge you, but also people you enjoy being around and you, you enjoy waking up, going to work for and work with. And Coach provides that you know, for me on a daily basis. So, um, what's next? I'm not sure the, the linear path yet, but I know where I want to get to. And I'm, I'm very blessed to have some really good mentors that have helped me thus far and that, that are going to continue, you know, guiding me and challenging me.
1: So Greg, um, what do you think are the, are the things you learned at Wesleyan that, you know, have, you know, prepared you or positioned you, you know, for that pursuit of, you know, that ultimate goal, you know, talk to us a little bit about maybe the person you were before you came to Wesleyan and then the person you were when you graduated. So coach, you talked earlier about, you
2: know, the first thing that pops to my brain was my injuries, right? And you talked earlier about how, how I, I had a lot of injuries. So between Exeter and Wesleyan, I had six surgeries and two broken bones. You know, I tore my ACL twice, had three surgeries on my knee, three surgeries on my groin and my hip area broke my wrist, broke my uh, foot. Um, so I would say, and and, and I, I'll say this is, the idea of being able to deal with adversity, right, was something that that was a natural component of just the nature of what I went through, right, and allowed me to, to um, fail, which I think was really enjoyable and I think is something that created some humility with me is that, you know, I was unable to achieve certain things that I set out to do, um, and it – it challenged me to create a new pivot and a new path and have opportunities then to explore different things. I started my coaching career much sooner than I anticipated, which in hindsight was a blessing in disguise. So those are things that happened, but those were reactions to events, right? So those were things that happened in events. So, um, you know, E plus, uh, R equals O, right? That's the, the old saying that people have Urban Meyer uses a lot of people, different people use it. Uh, event plus response equals outcome. E plus R equals O. They try to teach you the difference between react versus response, right? So event plus reaction equals outcome. Oh, I tear my ACL and now I pout. My outcome is I'm gonna be a bad teammate. Event, tear your ACL, respond, be the best cheerleader you could possibly be, uplift a younger player, outcome, be a good teammate whatever the case may be. So that was something I learned at Wesleyan through my events. But more importantly than that, that was, like I said, those were, those were responses to events, reactions to events. But I think the biggest thing that I learned from Wesleyan that I still tap into daily is diversity of thought. And to me, that is something that I've taken with me. And on our staff with the Lakers, I would think, and they can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think I'm the outside the box thinker and I'm the one who's going to play a little devil's advocate and push some buttons and ask, why can't we do that? Well, what are your guys thoughts on trying this? Is this too far fetched? Where did I learn that? I learned that at Westland. I learned that being around extremely highly intelligent people with very different mindsets on ways to do things. And I would say the person I was before I got to Westland, um, I still am stubborn coach. So I'll say that right now. That has not changed. I am stubborn (laughs) still, but I was extremely stubborn when I got there that I felt there was only one way to skin a cat. There was only one way to get a good grade. There was only one way to uh, win a basketball game, only one way to be a good friend, right? And those different things, be a good teammate over time at Westland, learning from experiences from, from my teammates, learning from experience of people who weren't even athletes Being around different classes, learning from different professors, um, being able to, I keep using the word diversify, but it's really true, is being able to diversify the people around me really changed me and allowed me to open my brain, open my mind, open my thought process, and give me a better sense of the understanding of what's on the other side of a conversation of when I speak. And so that has helped me tremendously as a coach, because so much of a coach is being a communicator. Right. And being somebody who can have those relationships with an athlete, especially at the professional level, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to resonate and work with you if they believe you can get them better. But at the same time, there's got to be some level of ownership and intrinsic motivation that they have. And you have to be able to find ways to pull that out of them, where if it's just me lecturing and telling them what to do, they're not going to be motivated to do it. They've been hearing that their entire life. How can I get them to figure out their why? How can they push through that why and get to where they want to get to? That's most important. So Wesleyan, to me, gave me the opportunity um, to, A, open my mind to that thought process and, B, work on those skills, uh, being around a teammate, all-time leading scorer, Shasha Brown, one of the best players that's ever played at Wesleyan, currently the director of basketball operations at Vanderbilt, one of my best friends completely different ways and thoughts and and where we grew up you know different experiences where we've been around uh different things we've been around being around him was the most helpful thing i could possibly have because he taught me that there's not one way to do it that the greg st Jean way to do it is not the only way to do it same thing mike callahan madison connecticut Derek beresford matt hogan all those guys i was around they helped me and allowed me to figure out Um, how to be the best version of myself to then give the best version of myself to others. And so that was the biggest thing that Wesleyan provided was uh, having a teammate who wanted to be a doctor and me accepting that and me respecting that and knowing that, hey, I might go get extra shots tonight. He's going to get extra study hours in. And that's okay That doesn't mean he's a bad teammate. That doesn't mean that he doesn't care about this just as much as I care about me working on my craft and wanting to do these things, I've got to respect that he's putting in his time and he's doing that. So Wesleyan gave me a a huge lift. And, you know, when I got to St. John's coaching at the college level, working at a Catholic school and working at a private school there and working with, you know, guys from all different countries and everything, I felt almost like a reinvigoration of it in a way um, where I was like, Hey, this is where I'm going to now put my skills to use and try to connect with these younger athletes and and try to put uh, some of that liberal arts education uh, now into play.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting, Greg. I mean, you touched on a lot of it. Typically coach and I, you know, would, would follow up that question by saying, well, what would you tell today's Wesleyan student athletes? But you kind of already dug into that. I mean, I think, I think if they go back and they listen to your answer, you've got such an infectious personality and, and such an inspirational personality. You clearly you're, you know, I've, I've, I knew when I was little sports was it for me and it's clear for you probably a lot based on your background basketball and coaching once you got hurt and you realized, I'm sure there was a point where you're like I'm going to be in the NBA right but but then the second you said those injuries they shifted you into you know becoming a coach the sky is the limit I think anyone who's listening can tell that so you know in my personal experience just just hearing you right now I know I can feel your passion and feel how Wesleyan helped develop that passion I think you know you're you're another great example of a great representation that this university is is bringing leadership you know from all aspects of sports and beyond sports and it's really why coach and I love doing this show so much so so once again i mean it's just been uh, you know just learning about your your journey has been inspirational tonight so thank you for that
2: no chris i appreciate it and you know well, one thing i i always try to tell people too is i'm very very blessed i'm in the minority in this that my occupation my hobby, my job, my passion are all the same thing, right? And so I wake up every single day and people are like, do you ever have an off and on switch? I said, there is no switch. This is what I love to do. So for me, you know, a lot of that came, like you said, there was a pivot point where I made that decision that, hey, I'm going to try to attack these dreams, attack these goals. And then to your point of what's next, right, is what's the action plan to get there? So then you guys start, you know, plotting, planning, organizing, mobilizing, trying to put yourself in a situation to how can I best achieve those goals? But how can, when I get there, be the most successful I can be? Um, and, you know, like I said, Wesleyan, like, I have a, t- I have a tremendous amount of Cardinal pride, right? Like that's something I really, really believe in is taking ownership and, you know, I have not made it or been successful at a level right now in any way where I can use the phrase, like, don't forget where you came from. Right. Like that, This is fresh. I just graduated in 2013. I'm young in my coaching career. I'm hopeful to achieve, you know, a lot of things down the line. But for me, like I take a tremendous amount of pride walking around an NBA gym, being a Nescat graduate. I take a tremendous amount of pride being a former division three player. I take a tremendous amount of pride saying, hey, they go, where'd you go to school? I went to Wesleyan. They go, is that in Illinois? No, that's in Middletown, Connecticut. And I take a tremendous amount of pride in then being able to educate people on where I went and why I went there and what it's done for me. So um, it's – Wesleyan has created lifelong relationships for me, lifelong friendships, lifelong lessons. But but more than any of that stuff, it has helped me best discover the best version of myself. And that, to me, has always been something that I struggle with is – you know, you start worried about coaching other people when you do this. Well, who's going to coach yourself? Like, who's going to hold you to be accountable every single day to stay to your routine? And how are you going to continue to stimulate yourself? And you talk about, like, what would I say to a younger student athlete? We touched on some of those things. But I would always just say, make sure you're in a position where you're being challenged. And if you're at Wesleyan right now, you're in a really good place. And that is something to me that feels good to be able to say because I believe it. Because I know everybody there is – when I say they're around like-minded people, meaning motivated, they're motivated people to accomplish what they're trying to do. But the ways in which they go about it are different, and that in itself to me is is the biggest thing and the best thing that can be said about Westland is the amount of constant stimulation, constant challenge of your beliefs, um, and the amount of – the rigors of the academic world that you're going to face on a day-to-day basis – it's unparalleled. It's, it's the best university in the country, in my in my opinion, because of that. Because every single day you you have the opportunity to get better if you want to. Did I take advantage of those every day? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is me talking this I'm a Monday morning quarterback coach right now. I'm 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 telling you what reads I should have made, not the reads I did make, but I'm telling you, there's just so much, you know, so many resources and people and, and different avenues to take advantage of there. So you know, I, I I told the Wesleyan basketball team when I talked to them the other day is I'd do anything to be on their team right now. I'd love to I'd love to be a student there right now. Just COVID, anything, I don't care. I'd be there right now.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's great. So what, we got a little uh we got a little thing we do here, Greg. We uh, we call it the, the sixty second gauntlet. And essentially what we're gonna do is we're gonna read a list of ten questions to you, and we really want you to be you know, spontaneous. We want you just to give us the whatever first thing pops into your head, and uh, so uh, you know. Again, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see a couple of these answers. I want to see, uh, but uh, this is this is this is something we do. We have a lot of fun with. So, Chris, you want to start us off? What do you got?
0: I was just going to say, Coach. I think we should make it a 24 second shot clock tonight. Okay. There, so yeah, it's okay. We're rolling with. All right. 24 24 seconds out of the shot clock. Greg, are you ready to enter the gauntlet?
2: Let's do it. I love the guy. All right,
0: let's go. Favorite professor at Wesleyan?
1: Ooh, uh, Professor Greenberg. Who is the most influential person in your life? My mother.
0: What was your first job after graduating from Wesleyan?
2: I was in the video room for the Sacramento Kings. If
1: you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams?
2: Williams, but I'd rather, I'd rather die. <laughs> there
0: you go. There you go. Good say. Hey, that's a, that's a good save right there. That was a good save. That was, that's what we call a slow roll right there. You slow, slow rolled that perfectly. Well played, sir. When you were five years old, I think I know where you're going here, but when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I wanted to be a point guard in the NBA. What's the best piece of advice you received in your life? Um.
2: There's always somebody else out there
1: working.
0: In three words, describe your West experience
2: adversity,
1: diversity, and joy. What do you miss most about Westland? The people.
0: What's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years?
2: Uh, Me watching on my webcast the NESCAC championship victory at Trinity. Nice. Coach Riley holding up the the banner.
1: Uh, Who is the West alum you'd most like to have dinner with? I'm going Bill Belichick. All right. All right. You survived it. That's it. That's the gauntlet. Well done. You did a good job.
2: Guys, I, I'm i going to go out there and tell you, I, I actually didn't think I did a great job, but I can <laughs> tell you, but I can tell you in general, I like the heat. I'm not afraid of the kitchen. The gauntlet's legit. I'm all in.
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, well played, sir. I'll tell you what, if uh, if you don't make it in the field of coaching, you're going to have a chance to be a fantastic analyst because you are not short when it comes to being quick thinking, my friend. We appreciate this. This has been really fun, man. Thanks for spending so much time with us, Coach. You got anything for us before we uh, before we send it into the night?
1: No, no. He's uh, you know he's always been one of my favorites since I came back to to Wes and and uh, you know I uh, you know I, I I said when he was a student here he was going to go on and do great things and he's on he's well on his way and you know I know I speak for Coach Riley and myself. You know how proud we are of you, Greg, and everything you've accomplished. But uh, we both know we won't—you won't let it go to your head. You'll continue to to push yourself because that's what you do, and that's why you are a great leader here, and that's why you'll continue to be a great leader as you progress in your career. And uh, you know, just know in Middletown, you know, we're always watching, we're always rooting for you, and uh, we wish you nothing but the very best.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate uh, us going down uh, memory lane a little bit and and really enjoyed talking about Wesley and my experience and it uh, was, was my pleasure being on.
0: Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we want to thank our guests from tonight, class of 2013, and more than likely the first head coach in 2026 of the new Las Vegas basketball franchise that is yet to be announced. <laughs> he is Greg St. Jean, And, Greg, when you get that job, you've got to come back on our show if we're still doing this thing. We want first dibs on the opening interviews, my friend.
2: I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it.
0: Sounds good. Well, that's going to do it for us today. This has been another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score for our guest, Greg St. Jean. for the coach, Mike Whalen. Of course, don't forget about the producer, Mike O'Brien. He doesn't say much, but he thinks a lot. I'm Chris Grace. You've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. Until next time, so long, everybody.